If the gospel is not the way of salvation, it is not a way of salvation. And we're not just dogmatic about this, we are full dogmatic about this. sink your teeth into scripture and get a bulldog grip on its truth? Listen on some doctrine and get bulldogmatic. Here is your host. Right, so um, just to overview, I know we get digging in here the details and it's it's hard to uh, see the forest for the trees, but what we have here is we have four characters in the Old Testament that are symbolizing the gospel, symbolizing things that are happening in the New Testament. So you have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Rebecca, and you have Eleazar. Um, Abraham is like the father. Isaac is like the son. Uh, Rebecca is like the church. And Eleazar is like an under the Holy Spirit. And you say, how, how in the world can that be? Uh, and we've gone through uh, the details in the past here. But just to overview, um, Isaac and Christ were both the child of promise. Uh, both uh, their births were pre-announced, right? So... Um, both were named before their birth. They were contrary to nature, right? One woman was barren uh, in the Old Testament, and then uh, Mary was a virgin. So this is contrary. This is a miraculous uh, birth. Um, both are called an only son. And if you remember, uh, Isaac was not the only son, uh, strictly speaking. There was also Ishmael, but this was the child of the promise. And so in God's eyes, this is the only son um, how Ishmael came about was a work of the flesh, and so God called him his only son. Both were mocked and persecuted by their own people. Um, neither Isaac nor Christ had broken the law that they should be offered up. So when Isaac was going up to be offered, it wasn't for any sin. Uh, he was going to be offered up, uh, but not for punishment for sin. Uh, and as Isaac carried the wood, he was going to die. Christ carried his own cross. So Isaac's carrying that wood up the hill to the same place that Christ was crucified, um, carrying his own wood to be the sacrifice. Uh, and you have the three days. The three days is very important because God tells Abraham, says, sacrifice your son. So boom, in Abraham's eyes, Isaac is as good as dead from that time on. But the sacrifice uh, and what would be the resurrection is not till three days later. So it's three days journey uh, when they come. He is, they stop the sacrifice and he sits up. That is a picture of the resurrection, but there's three days there uh, in between. Um, Isaac went willingly to the altar, so Christ goes willingly. Um, both are apparently forsaken by their father, and both came from a place of resurrection, but God interposed. God stepped in with Abraham and said, no, don't do it. Uh, God stepped in with Jesus, actually allowed the sacrifice to go through, but stepped in to resurrect him from the dead. So, you have Eleazar, uh, and I've never seen this, but you know Eleazar, he's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is, because Abraham is a picture of the Father, uh, Eleazar is his servant. He's the servant that he does uh, what the Father says. Eleazar's mission was to go to Haran and get a bride for Isaac. So the Holy Spirit has been sent from heaven to get a bride for Christ. Right? So the Holy Spirit is sent, and the Holy Spirit is what draws us to Christ and draws his church together and brings them, brings them together. Uh, in the same way, Eleazar was sent to do that. Um, Eleazar is urgent, just as the Holy Spirit is urgent. Uh, Eleazar 
shows precious gifts to Rebecca to reveal the wealth of his master. So the Holy Spirit gives us gift as a, gifts as a foretaste as for what is in store for the bride of Christ. Um, so and if you just see it, he, he gets the consent. He Eleazar gets Rebecca's consent to be the bride of Christ. He took for himself and uh, did not send her back um, while he remained with her kinfolk. So when the Holy Spirit takes us and starts to work in us, he continues the work until it's fully completed. So um, there was convincing to do, right? So the Holy Spirit um, con convinces us, convicts us of our sins, draws us unto Christ. Now we willingly go to Christ. Now that was by the Spirit's changing of our nature. So Eleazar had to convince, um, had to convince Rebecca to come to the bridegroom who was Isaac. So very beautiful there. And of course, we've already mentioned uh, indirectly that Rebecca was a type of Christ, uh, as we spoke of Eleazar. So she is the bride that is brought um, to Isaac, who is that type of Christ. So you just have a very beautiful picture here in uh, Genesis 24 uh, that very much points to the Father and the Son uh, and the Holy Spirit going to get the bride of Christ for, for Jesus, who's pictured by Isaac. And so the centerpiece here is Isaac being typological of Christ. The rest of it will fall in once you see that. Um, so it's a very, very beautiful picture. Yeah, it is. Uh, and when you're talking about Rebecca as being a type of the bride of Christ, some points that uh, I heard Pastor Adrian Rogers uh, bring out was he said the, uh, he sees the concern of the father in verse 4, it says to provide a bride, to go and bring back a bride. Um, so God himself is search searching for a bride for his, uh, for his son right, uh, as well. So, And it's interesting that the church completes the Lord, does it not? Yes, yes. So you have a union there. Um, you have a union of the bride of Christ with the church and in, in in the scriptures we see that marriage itself is just a, a symbol or a picture of Christ and his church we think of mm -hmm. it the other way around you know so there's marriage and then the primary thing is is marriage and then oh yeah Christ and his bride is kind of like us see that's flipped god-centered theology says no the whole thing everything that we experience as far as fathers having sons is a picture of the, of the Trinity. It's from the Trinity. It's derived from the Trinity. Same thing with marriage, where uh, our marriages that we experience are just a picture of the more important and foundational, fundamental thing, which is Christ and His Church. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they're united as one. You know, uh, God has promised to give a certain number to, and, and it will not be complete until everyone is brought Two. That's right. That's right. Uh, isn't that uh, isn't that something like what Jesus prayed in the garden? Uh, in what is it, John seventeen? Yes. Yes, he did talk about the. Election. Yeah. So you have a theme all throughout John, where he's talking about this certain amount that uh, that the Father has given unto Jesus, and so Jesus even says, "I don't pray for the world; I pray for those who you have given to me." Mm -hmm. And there's a very very much focus on those elect. And so, but we don't know who those are and we don't know how long the Lord will tarry till the second coming. And so uh, that set group 
is who they are. But yes, they're all part of that church, and they would be all a part of the, the, the symbolism with Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Now, Eleazar, of course, is a, a picture of the Holy Spirit. So uh, he's shown as a comforter or a helper. So that's what he kind of did with Rebecca, mm -hmm. uh, correct? And, and I think you brought out some of yeah, the riches, the riches that uh, Isaac had. And uh, which derived from Abraham and the whole, you know, exactly. so you could say either. Yeah. We, so we are chosen before the foundation of the world. God takes the initiative and sends the Holy Spirit to the receive the bride, right? Yeah, yeah. And the Father sends the Spirit, the bride comes. And, you know, it's interesting to think of this culture because they didn't have email and they couldn't do phone calls. They're not texting. They're like, you know, hey, Rebecca, you know, I'm coming. I'll see you in, a, in two weeks. No, it. he had to do all of his convincing and all of his drawing and all of his showing the glory and convincing her uh, in, in a visit. Now, now I wonder if, if there might be some young ladies listening. Um, I wonder if they could put themselves in the place of Rebecca. Now, this guy, Eleazar, did Eleazar know Rebecca? That's a good question. I'm trying to think. I'm not sure or yeah. not. But anyway, Eleazar yeah. comes to her and makes all these promises to her. Yes. Now, put yourself in her place. I mean, he would have to be a good salesman, right? Or yeah. have a lot of convincing proofs. He would have to have a lot of convincing proof. And the only difference of him and a salesman, which he would have to be a good salesman, but it's a salesman that's completely... Uh, based in truth. All of his evidence that he's presenting is true. It's not false evidence, and sometimes you know how salesmen can be. They're presenting you half-truths, you know, and this is true, but what about this? She, he is presenting, this is what Isaac is really like. This is what Abraham is like. This is what you will have. I think it's verse 53. When he left to go get uh, Rebecca, he took, I think it was what, eight camels, Right, I filled filled with uh, the riches of Isaac. Right, and that would be like someone going with what, uh, like eight box trucks full of yeah. Things. I mean, as so far he as had actual plenty, equivalent, but a huge wealth. Yeah, he had he had plenty of uh, resources available to him. Right, at the time. Right, right, and now we're talking about the typology is never one to one. Now the the. The riches that the Holy Spirit tells us that Christ offers is not worldly riches, which uh, it was truly offered to, to Rebecca, mm -hmm. and that was a good thing because she knew she would be taken care of. She knew she would uh, be provided for. But at the same time, for us, Christ doesn't promise us um, earthly blessing and gold and wealth. He promises us the spiritual blessing, which right. if you get to the resurrection, it is physical. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to be Gnostic in your promises and, and how you understand God's promises and how they'll be fulfilled. Um, uh, but as far as in this life, the promises are spiritual, mm -hmm. physical. Yeah. Well, I can kind of picture Rebecca, maybe halfway or so, she starts thinking about it and maybe gets a few doubts in her mind. So, mm -hmm. so Eleazar may, might go back to a camel and take out a necklace of rubies and awesome. Awesome. put it around her neck, and, and that would comfort her. And isn't that the role of the Holy Spirit? This is how the Holy Spirit. Spirit works with us. I mean, as you know, as if anyone that is a Christian would know, we have doubts, we have concerns, we have 
things that stumble us and questions we can't answer. Uh, and the Holy Spirit finds a way to speak to us and lead us on and give us answers and comforts that continue. Mm -hmm. Well, in verse 63, we see that uh, Isaac is waiting for the bride. And uh, the wife is to be presented to the groom. Is that not correct? That's right. That's right. Um, you have the picture there, as, as we talked about before, of Christ, us meeting Christ in the air. Now, we're coming to Christ in one sense for salvation, uh, but there is another coming to Him. There's another uh, sense in which we will come to Him. He will gather us. Right. And it says at eventide, you know, so eventide, end of the day. And so this would be the end of the all days. This would be the end of days where uh, the resurrection is here. We are coming to Christ. Exactly. So we... We have to come to Christ as individuals, but then when he gathers us together, we'll go to Christ as the bride or the church. Right. And the I unified see, church. The unified church. And I see it fulfilled in multiple ways, too, to where when we sit for communion, you don't do communion by yourself, or you shouldn't. Uh, the New Testament standard is that we come as a body. What communion, community, together, uh, right? So... Even with baptism, you know, there's one baptism, one Lord, one faith. And so it's it's a unity together. And um, so we come to Christ in that way as well. Let's look at Jacob's dream. Sure, sure. Okay. So here's a, just a segment of Scripture. And again, when you're looking at these, you should always look at it in context. Look at the whole chapter. Uh, but we're going to read a passage in Genesis 28, uh, verses 10 through 16, just to get context here. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in a, that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land where I have not, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then... Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So you have a really extreme uh, vision here, a dream that Jacob has. Mm -hmm. So you think, well, what does this have to do with Jesus? We're doing Jesus in the Torah. We're looking for Christ in the Torah. And we have a special one here because Jesus, I believe, points to this. Now, you might miss this if you're reading through John and you don't know what he's alluding to. Um, so, I would say we would want to look at that passage in John to see how Jesus makes this connection here in John 1, um, verses 43 through 51. You want me to read that real quick? Sure. Sure. All right, John 1, 43 through 51. The next day Jesus decided to, go, decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, 
follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said unto him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to them, And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So that's that's really important to see. And you're, if you're looking at the passage, you're thinking, well, where does it mention? Well, it's that last verse. Uh, he makes mention of it. He says that you will see heaven opened, and this is language taken from Genesis 28 here. Uh, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So there's one difference that should stand out when we're looking at that. Ascending and descending on, in Genesis 28, it was a ladder. Jesus says you'll see this ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now when he says you'll see this, you might think that you know he's, he's going to have a vision, and that's one interpretation, that he actually has a vision at some point. Uh, that Nathaniel will have a vision and see these things. But another thing would be just to perceive, the truly great thing is that he is perceiving that Jesus is the ladder, that he's seeing that that's the Son of Man, that's Jesus, that's a picture of Christ. And so you have this ladder that connects heaven and earth. And what better way to describe Christ? I mean, we have no connection to heaven, the holiness of God, the majesty of God, without Christ being that connection from heaven to earth. There's a condescension of God that has to happen, and that ladder is uh, the symbol of Christ. And Jesus is pointing that to, to here to say that it's they're ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which was a title for himself. Right. How many ladders are there? There's not. There's only one ladder, right? Right. In the vision, you have, you have many angels. I'm sure you have many steps, but you only have one ladder. You only have one ladder. And, uh, of course, there's only one way uh, to God. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. So well, one of the things I, I thought was interesting, I, I think uh, if you if you read through verse 11, you see that it's shrouded in darkness. It's evening. It's dark. It's nighttime. And he gets a rock as a pillow, which is not a, a good thing to prop up against, I don't really? think. But, uh, uh, and he's alone. He's without... It seems like it's a picture of a sinner, uh, someone that's lost. Now, I'm not sure if if uh, Jacob was actually lost at this point, but it kind of sounds that way uh, to me. Yeah, and a lot of the things that Jacob says in this narrative, in the beginning, it's the Lord your God. And then at, at some point, there is a transition to where it's the Lord my God, and he starts to, it seems to be his faith. You know, where he's actually acknowledging the Lord as his God. 
Right. So yeah, I, I could see that. And, and the Bible also says the way of the transgressor is hard. Mm-hmm. Now, some people think it's hard to be a Christian. I myself don't. I think it's it's easier, much easier to be a Christian than not. Sure, sure. I mean, there's two different. I think there's two different uh, train tracks there that we're talking about. The it says that his commandments are not burdensome. So to live for the Lord, it should be a law of liberty and a law of freedom, and to to serve Him and to obey His law. Uh, now there is persecution that is hard, but to me, uh, persecution with the promise of God's grace and forgiveness and fellowship in your life is easier to bear than a good day being hopeless and lost in in the world without God, with his wrath upon you, knowing that you have, you know, a a holy God to look at and to see a judgment. So, well, also hadn't Esau promised to kill him? So he's he's looking at death, right, as well. So. It's, it's kind of a, a picture of a lost in darkness, looking at death, all alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see the reach of the ladder goes all the way up to heaven. Now, in the past, hadn't people tried to build something to reach to God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't quite work too well, does it? Right. Right. You have the Tower of Babel there in, in the back of your mind thinking, you know, reaching to heaven, which it never did. Um, and... In those ancient times, a lot of times it was, yes, reaching up to the gods, but it was also where they wanted the gods to come down. And so it was their way of saying, this is where God will come down and meet me. That was the real arrogance of of Tower of Babel. They're saying, this is where God will come and meet me. God comes to Jacob and sets the terms and says, no, this is where I will meet you. Like, you can't choose what you dream. And it's very interesting to think about that because... Jacob lays down, and like you said, God has him in a place where he's working with him and he's struggling and he's going through these difficult things. But God causes this dream uh, himself without Jacob involved in that and says, These, this is. Now, I don't know what he knew. We always talk about this. You know, teachers talk, well, what, what did they know about Christ? How much did they know? They had these little pictures and these little shadows in the Passover land. Well, they knew more and more as their Old Testament went. I don't think they knew as much as we do because right. uh, we just have the benefit of seeing by the Holy Spirit and looking at all these shadows and, and types that have happened already. But God sets those limits. God sets that, that standard. Yeah. That ladder showing that it's Christ. Now in verse uh, 16, he says, Surely God is in this place. Now that's... that. Kind of sends shivers up and down yeah. my spine or whatever. Um, we should say that in church. Surely God is in this place. Of course, the Bible talks about, you know, where there are two or three. And, and of course, they're talking about church discipline, discipline. there. I think but it applies. In it, it applies. You look at the primary yeah. application. Um, so, right now, God is in this place, correct? Right. Right. I'm a Christian. I know you're a Christian, so God is in this place. That's true. And that can get confusing to people because they say, well, God's everywhere. But right. there's something in the scriptures where they're saying that God chooses by his will to manifest himself in a special way. Because you can't say that God was in um, China in 1400 BC like he was with the Israelites and Moses in the wilderness. Their God was working in that area in a very special way. 
Uh, same with the temple, Solomon's temple, with the second temple. Um, you know, when Jesus walked the earth, you know, so there's all these different manifestations of God's presence that are, yeah, and that's what you have here. That's mm-hmm. what you have a special manifestation of God's presence. Exactly. And, and um, what he was going through at this time, I can kind of relate to because when I became a Christian, I felt the presence of God, yes. you know. Yes, in and, uh, of course, yeah, he indwells in the heart of every believer, which you probably just said. Yeah, and it's interesting that in my experience and with the many believers I've spoken to, uh, you don't get those experiences, for lack of a better word, or the, the sense of God's presence. Sometimes you don't get it as strong or as often when you get older, but I've always seen it as when you come to the Lord, you need need these things, and that God use those uses those as a means to draw you to Himself. And then, as you grow in faith, all you need is His Word. You see, the the older you get in the Lord, you see the sufficiency of the Word of God. You know, I don't. I, when I was a, a pagan sinner, you know, out in the world living for sin, I needed God to get right here on me and show me Himself, and I believe He did in a special way. Uh, and now, though that I've grown to love him and see his glory. I love him, so I keep his commandments. All I need to do is see it's in the Word and have the conviction of the Holy Spirit and grow in those ways. And so, um, yes, God can manifest himself in a special way. Mm-hmm. So. He, he also, uh, one of the things I thought was kind of striking, he, he made an altar. Mm-hmm. And he, he changed the name. What was the name before? Luz or... He changed the name to Bethel or Bethel. Bethel, yes, Bethel. You know, what is what is Bethel? What does that mean? It means house of God. House of God. House of God. Yeah. So, so where the spirit of God is, that's where the house of God is. Yeah. Yeah. I actually I got saved in the Church of God denomination, mm-hmm. uh, and so when I was a very young person, I was around twenty, and we came to this church. The name of the church was Bethel Temple Church of God. And so I used to joke once I started learning the meanings of words, I was like, well, that means house of God, house of God, church of God. <laughs> you know, so anyway, so we would joke, but yes, Bethel, house of God. And temple doesn't necessarily mean house of God, but it, it right. is the place where God dwells. Well, the, the question I have for you, he built an altar. Now, this was before uh, the institution of sacrifices. What? What, what, why did he build? Why do you think he built an altar? That's a good question. You you see that in Genesis, and you see a lot of uh, prefigurements to what comes in the law with the patriarchs. So all I can say is that this was um, handed down. We don't know if through tablets, if they were actually carrying writings, because this is what would have been written on in that time, or if it was word of mouth and tradition, and that God was working uh, through that that line of pieces. Uh, I don't have a good answer for that because I see a lot of foreshadowings. We see a lot of foreshadowings of the law that happens before the law. And uh, you just see that God's finding a way to communicate that to his people. Right. So something happened that night. So it's a new morning and he's a new man. Now, I know I can think back. I have what I would call a Bethel in my life. And it's interesting because I've been dreaming a whole lot too, so I can kind of relate a little bit. And uh, as I was studying this, I, um, 
I, I, I was saved by an evangelist who came and actually started working with me in Washington, D.C., and he started witnessing. I mean, he, he was on fire for the, for the Lord. He was recently saved himself. So a new convert, he wanted to share his faith, his love for Christ. So he started witnessing to me. And he finally, after work one day, he says, I'm going to talk to you. And took me out into the streets of uh, Washington, D.C., sitting in my car, and he gave me the gospel. And it just, like, you know, I'd heard it before. Something different, yeah, But it was something different, yeah. And I left there. I would, that, So that's my Bethel. And it's interesting. I've been having dreams about, not about that experience, but I've been having dreams about that parking lot. Yeah. Uh, outside. And it's it's strange. So it, it kind of, when I think about it, I don't know, I get emotional. Yeah. You know, yeah. We all, about it. I think we all have those experiences. And sometimes it's just hearing the gospel and it just hits you and you can't believe that you can't see it. You didn't see all these things before. Uh, and it's just spiritual ways. I have one as well. And it was at that church. We were actually at that church. Uh, and God just meets you in a special way that you just know it's Him. And it's amazing. It's breathtaking. Yeah. To be continued, we will continue this conversation in the next episode. And it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.